Hi, you are listening to Mobile Couch, and this is a show where we talk about mobile development and also couch development. Because I realised that you use the TV from the couch, so TV OS is in our ballpark. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is episode number 67, and it's supported by our amazing, amazing patrons from Patreon. From Patreon? They use Patreon. I don't know. I think from. They're amazing either way. Agreed. And we have follow-up. Yeah. Turns out everyone else has tips as well. Yeah. There's been a few. There's been a couple of sh- sh- keyboard shortcuts, that's for sure. Yeah, and some that I didn't know, so that was really cool. So one of the things that we, uh, one of the f- bit of feedback that we got was in regards to your little thing about merging, get, merging the, yes. the projects. And I saw, like right after we recorded, I was like browsing Twitter and I was like, oh, that would have been handy like <laughs> an hour ago. So Kyle Sherman uh, tweeted at us to tell us about a method of automating the merge process for you know that you would typically use for the Xcode project to recap. Two people add a file to the same folder in your project on different branches, and when you go to merge those two branches together, typically the yeah, Git sees it as two changes like yeah. on the same line. And typically, what you just want is both of them. Uh, there is actually a way to do this. We'll link to the uh, blog post in the show notes. But overall, the basic gist of it. is uh, using a git attributes file yeah it turns out this is another classic git there's a million features you don't even know exist Um, you can set up rules for different types of files so you basically set up a rule for xcode projects and we also have some some other keyboard shortcuts that got mentioned to us daniel rinser i hope that is the correct pronunciation for his surname i know his first name is correct because i know somebody with that first name i don't don't you oh so one of the shortcuts that you mentioned was for the quick open. Is that what it's called? Open quickly? Yeah. Uh, which is Command-Shift-O. And yes. he suggested Command-Shift-J, which when you use something for Command-Shift-O uh, and open it in the you know in the editor, if you hit Command-Shift-J, it will highlight it in the project navigator. Oh, cool. So Didn't know that one. Yeah. So if, you, if you're using open quickly, which you are... Um, on a regular basis, but you actually do want to see it, find it in the in the navigator. That's an easy way to get to it. Nice, nice. Yeah. So the other one that we got was from Ryan Booker, who wanted to mention that if you're looking for, I guess, I guess it's kind of equivalent to the uh, Command Shift A that well, AppCode uses. Good memory. Yeah, that's right. Is that is that actually correct? Correct. Yes. What a guess. <laughs> Obviously, you listened intently uh, several times. One of the if you use Command Shift A on AppCode or in other ones that are based on that same uh, the IntelliJ whatever, if you use Command Shift forward slash or Command question mark, you will open a menu search. And I mean, a menu search is essentially I mean, yeah, it's almost as, the same thing. It's almost the same thing. Like a lot of the commands are in the menu in the menu. So and I think that probably applies to just OSX in general. I think that is. Although for me, apparently, I have that mapped to something else. Oh, which is not ideal for using menu search hmm. but you know i use it for something else but that's actually a good tip in, in of itself if you want to use a menu item as a keyboard shortcut but it doesn't have a keyboard shortcut you can actually define your own keyboard shortcuts yes you can which you do in keyboard preferences hmm. in system preferences and you can do it on a per app basis so you can have a special keyboard shortcut for for instance the simulator oh. hmm. i guess another bit of follow-up something i used to do is have a there's some really good um, keyboard shortcut references that people have made. Yeah. 
I stuck one to my wall once. Mm. So back when I worked at Shiny Things, right next to me on the wall was a keyboard shortcut reference. And anytime I felt like I was doing something in the menu a lot, I would go, ah, what's the keyboard shortcut? Okay. And I would like make an effort to start using it. One of the things that I did for a while was uh, write out a list of just what the, because all the, all the keyboard kind of shortcut things like command yep. and option and shift. Can't understand them. Well, they have, they have little symbols that they typically, like a lot mm. of people will display them as symbols. And I'd look at them and I'd be like, wait, who is designed that, these things? Is this shift or is that alt? Yeah, I'm I, not sure. I still can't read them. Yeah, so what I actually did um, until I kind of got my head around them a little bit better was I wrote them out. Uh, so I would have, I just, you know, drew the little symbol and then next to it wrote whatever the symbol was. So the flat, the flower or the place of interest icon uh, <laughs> next to, con- like next to command and, you know, all of them and just stuck them across the top of my shelf or my monitor or whatever clever at the, at the time. And that way, if I ever saw a keyboard shortcut, whether it, because they show them in the menus mm. and stuff like that. I could look at it and then I could, you know, try and remember to use it next time. That was my way of getting around the idea of using keyboard shortcuts, but not actually, um, not actually being able to kind of commit them to memory. How haven't these things been redesigned yet? I mean, they tried to fix save as, which I think most people got. Well, I think the, I think the problem is, is that like, I mean, how, how do you, how do you like define in a graphical, in, in, like in a graphical form, how do you define option? Putting it on the key would be a good start. Yeah, that'd be a good start. Actually, <laughs> you 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 actually are quite correct. Mm. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, that's that was my that was how I did it. But anyway, anyway, we should probably get on with the uh, actual topic. Sounds good. I thought we'd talk a little bit about refactoring because I've been doing a lot of that. So have I. I have said this before. I don't like refactoring. It to me is like a fun. punishment for not doing it right the first time. Yeah. But I, I, I have that. gotten a lot better at it since we talked about it last time and I've also seen new light about it. So we'll probably get into that. Yeah. Well, I've I mean I I don't know that I've learned anything anything new since the last time that we mentioned refactoring, but I I have certainly been doing it a lot over the past several weeks. And I think maybe to kind of you know lead in like the uh, what I mean what do you think causes the the need to actually refactor stuff like what have you found causes need for that? Oh, there's heaps of reasons. I guess I'll cover the first one that comes to my head, which is rushing for a deadline. You do it the way that was like as fast as possible, but yeah. it's definitely not future proof. So you've got magic numbers everywhere, and you know it's a mess, and you know it's fragile, but you had to meet this deadline, and so. Hopefully, you come back afterwards and go, all right, let's refactor this. Let's make it good, stable. Yeah. I, I, I think I found the same thing. And part of the reason that I'm doing GIF wrapped, like refactoring GIF wrapped at the moment, is because leading up to the last couple of releases that I had, there was a lot of kind of rushing because I wanted to get a re- couple of releases out before iOS 9 and then have something ready for iOS 9, which never happened. And like I, I realized that uh, afterwards, and part of the reason that I never hit iOS nine in the first place was because I realized that I'd made some terrible choices uh, mm. in those in those first couple of releases to in you know trying to get them out the door, and it kind of put me on a back foot when I was you know trying to then hit a, a new deadline, and so really the only option that I had was to like go back and redo some code that I had done. Like that, I had already yeah. kind of you know done. 
pay off some technical debt, as mm. they say. Mm, technical debt. What do you think are some other reasons why you would end up having yeah. to refactor stuff? So I guess if you're following the extreme programming, sorry to use a buzzword, methodology, um, you do the whole, you ain't going to need it style. Have you heard of any of these things? No. You probably ex- come across extreme them. extreme programming where you jump off a bridge and on the way down you program. Oh, yeah, man. And then you hit the you hit the, like the bun- end of so the bungee you, cord. You throw your parachute and you throw your laptop off, and, <laughs> and then you jump, and you have to like catch up to both, finish the programming, strap on the parachute, and pull it. That sounds terrifying and extreme. It, it is very extreme. <laughs> <laughs> no, extreme programming is like these. I guess they're hardcore ideals, and you'd have to look all of them up. And the point is, none of them really work by themselves. Yep. But together, they form this like methodology about how you should go about programming. Um, and one of them is, you ain't going to need it, Yagni. And Jake told me about this, by the way. Shout out to Jake. So Yagni is, you, you never implement a feature just because you think you will need it in the future. Right. So like, say you can store your, everything your app ever needs to know in memory. There's no need to save it to the disk at the moment. Right. You would just do that. Until yep. you actually needed to save it to the disk. And then when you did, you would go in and refactor it. Which I know sounds crazy. And that's because by itself that is crazy. So these methodologies only work when you do all of them. So the mm. other ones are unit testing, refactoring, like always refactoring. You're constantly refactoring. Yep. So you still write a proper in memory store. It's not like you just have variables everywhere that are holding onto everything. It would be you have a nice layer. That is, yeah, it's in memory, but later on, it's easy to refactor that into storing to disk. Right. Okay. So you kind of, you kind of are almost thinking ahead, but you're not thinking ahead in ways that, in ways that you might not actually use later. Yeah. Mm. So it is weird. I agree, but that is one reason. So I yep. kind of follow that when I program. Kind of. Mm. I think for it to work, you have to go all in though, and I don't, so it's probably why it doesn't work. And I think one of the things about that, from the sounds of it anyway, is that with that sort of programming, you pro, you, I mean, you are kind of constantly refactoring, but you're refactoring like small pieces. Yeah, that's right. So you're always doing little bits at a time. It's kind of like the agile way, right? Where instead of leaving all the polish to the end, yep. you do one feature at a time and it try and make it complete right so you never have to touch that again and then you move on to the next one and it saves you doing this massive job at the end yep so it's all like breaking it up into little bits and that's actually interesting right because one of the things that i've i've found um in doing the refactoring job that i'm on now is that at first my my thinking was okay well i'm gonna i'm just gonna approach it and i'm just gonna like kind of re redo everything because part of what I'm trying to accomplish is to be able to pull out portions of my app into f- frameworks so that they can be used in extensions. Yeah. And because the code isn't really designed for that at the moment, there's a lot of kind of interweaved stuff and it's not really, it's not uh, designed for that. Uh, like it was never designed with that in mind and only made worse by the fact that, you know, by other things, because, you know, code only ever gets worse over time. It never gets, it doesn't get better. So what I tried to do initially was like, okay, well, I'll just, you know, go full hog and then I'll just kind of work back from that kind of terrible broken state. Moved everything into various different uh, frameworks and obviously nothing built because everything was still interdependent. And so I just started basically going for errors. And after a few days of this, I was like, this is horrifying. Yeah, I'd be scared. 
<clears throat> so one of the things that I did was I decided that maybe this isn't the right way. And so I just blasted everything back to where I was at. Git is amazing. Uh, and kind of started again. This time, rather than having a, uh, rather than trying to kind of go into the deep end and swim back to shore, I started with smaller pieces with an end goal in mind. Mm. So what I actually did in trying to achieve that was I kind of put aside my project and I made other classes that are based on like for my model layer and all that sort of stuff that I have and basically approached it like I would a, um, like if I was writing a new framework, new API or whatever. And so I wrote these classes, never actually you know made them work or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Just kind of almost almost diagrammed them but in code um because it was a lot easier to kind of visualize it that way um and figured out like what the architecture I needed like what I needed the architecture to be and then sat that aside again went back to my actual project and with that kind of sitting there as a like a thing that I could look to and uh kind of you know draw inspiration from uh started making small changes until it would build. And so I'd, you know, make this tiny little thing and get it to, you know, build with this new version of whatever I'd written and kind of moved slowly and iteratively over the code until, you know, until I, it now matches the other thing. So I think the approach of like doing small amounts of refactoring at one at a time is kind of. Yeah. You have to be able to build and run as you go or else you're just going to get lost. Yeah. And it, it also, like, if you're not, able to run something like if you're just constantly like errors 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 for days and days on end it can be kind of depressing oh yeah <laughs> like it's it's not it's not ideal it's it's kind of downheartening because you like you you know you kind of you don't you don't know how close you are at all like you have no idea because just especially because every a time, lot of you run, time it gives you a few errors and then stops because it can't compile the rest. Yeah. So you fix them and then it's like, and then it's just oh, like got you've got hundred more. more. <laughs> yeah. Like and and they were always there. It's just that they didn't, you know, uh, they didn't show up, and it's not ideal. So kind of you know moving away from that kind of all in approach and going back to something that's kind of you know moving towards the target as opposed to whatever the other way is. Yeah. It makes sense. I think. Yeah. Definitely. Hmm. Hmm. So what about what about starting fresh? Like I'm part of what I part of that approach where I kind of started recreating, you know, stuff outside of the project and almost kind of you know file new project. Uh, part of that was almost preempted by this kind of desiring me to just kind of toss the old stuff and yeah. start a new thing. And to some extent, I think that's valid. Oh, of course. Do you think there are like benefits to refactoring over? Oh, it's just. In my mind, it's time. If you think you can do it faster by starting again, do it. Do it again. Well, I th- I think there is actually more to it than that, though, because I think part of the thi- part of the thing with refactoring is that you have, to some extent, a working product to begin with, mm-hmm. and starting new can sound really good, but it's not great. Like sometimes you will introduce bugs that you've already dealt with. Mm. And I mean, you get that refactoring anyway, but at least with refactoring, you tend to be working with code that you know already works. And so you're less likely to kind of stumble on something that you had solved you know, months ago that you might think, you know, was suddenly a good idea now, but was actually a problem back then. 
Yeah, I see what you mean. I think the answer, though, is, and this is something I've found recently, and it's probably jumping ahead, but unit tests. It's so much easier to refactor if you have unit tests. Mm. So you can run it, or you can run your tests before before you start and go, cool, they all pass. And then as you go, you can keep running the tests and go either, yeah, they're all still passing, or, okay, I've broken this one bit, but I expected that because that's the bit I just pulled out. And then as you also write your new code, just like you should be doing always, you can write new tests to cover the new edge cases you're putting in or whatever like that. Yeah, okay. So how how do you approach refactoring? Because I think I've already covered the way that I do that, but mm-hmm. how, how do you approach it? Uh, it depends on if I wrote the thing in the first place. Yep. So sometimes I didn't. I've been asked to add a feature or it's just in the project timeline, like now we have to do this feature. Uh, so I did one recently where I had to put a loading spinner in and this is just like this app is under development. So it's just, it got to the end. We needed a loading spinner. And yep. when I went in to look about, okay, how can I do this? I quickly realized the only good way to do this is like refactor heaps because the app loads five different, it has five different callbacks to say I'm done. And I guess I was like, I could just hack it together with some dispatch group, but really what I should be doing is rethinking how this app loads its data in the first place. Mm. And so I was like, this is a great time for a refactor because this code was never meant to be permanent anyway. It's kind of like, I almost think you never come back to technical debt. Like you always go, I'm going to come back to this after the release. And even if you do one or two, you're never going to do it all. Yeah. And it's kind of, you should do it as you come across it. So rather than just continually building on top of a shaky foundation, you should fix the foundation first if if you need to put something on top of it. Sure. Um, so I tend to do that. So yeah, that's what I did. And I had tests so I could see if it was working. And they were already written, so I didn't have to do that, which was awesome. Yep. And yeah, I refactored quite a lot to get that one little loading spinner in. But the app as a whole got so much better because of it. Yeah. Well, I think that's kind of part of it. It's that like refactoring can actually lead to you know, benefits across more than just you know the thing that you're refactoring for the reason that you're refactoring for. I have found that like you know by by doing things a certain way, not only have I like improved speed or whatever, um, you know the kind of the almost the intangible benefits from refactoring that you don't like they don't feel like benefits because they don't they're not super mm. noticeable when you're testing, but you know, they're benefits nonetheless. But I've also found, like I've also come across areas where I've discovered bugs or fixed bugs almost by accident. Yeah, for sure. One uh, one example actually is that uh, for the past uh, probably six or eight months, there's been a hidden feature in GiveWrapped that is turned off for everybody but me. Oh, that's disappointing. I want I want this feature. <laughs> well. Good news, everyone, because <laughs> what, uh, what I discovered was, you know, photos since iOS 8 allows you to delete photos the, yep. with the Photos Kit framework. I, so I built, you know, I mean, I played a lot with that when it first kind of arrived so I could try and improve the app. And not, not everything from those experiments stuck, but one that did was being able to delete GIFs from the Photos tab within GIF Wrapped. And it's never actually been activated for the like the public release because it had issues one of the major issue was that when you delete something the ui would not update correctly and it would uh you'd end up with like a black screen which isn't ideal and so rather than dealing with it because it's not a huge thing i kind of went okay well i'll i'm gonna have to touch photos kit you know photos again at some point in the future 
I'll leave it until then or until you know, I figure out what the problem is. Mm-hmm. As part of this, uh, as part of this kind of refactoring thing and rewriting all of my base kind of code, I discovered that it's you know there is actually there was actually a problem there that I could quite easily fix and did and was able to remove all the kind of flags and stuff that stopped people from seeing it. So now all of a sudden, by going back and doing these this refactoring kind of task. I've you know solved small bugs just kind of as part of the process of doing of of rewriting the code that you know I I mean I probably would have gotten to it and I might have like spent a couple of days going through it and figuring it out and yet it was kind of solved as a byproduct. Nice. I actually don't know what the reason was other than the fact that I accidentally solved the problem. Oh, it's gone now. But it's gone. <laughs> uh I think it may have been a thread issue, but uh you know, it's hard. It's hard to tell. Yeah, I think the best refactors are when you go into the Git at the end and you do your commit, and it says one hundred insertions, four hundred deletions. Yeah, that's the wording it uses, right? Anyway, yeah. when you end up with less code than you had when in the first place, yeah, when you've had less, that's always nice. Actually, the, the, that's a that's a good point. Do you, when you refactor, do you find that you create new classes, or do you like do you delete classes more? Uh not that it means this is the right way, but I tend to add more. Yeah. At least add more files. I think I've done that. I mean, it's not always right because, you know, you can have spaghetti code and you can also have ravioli code. <laughs> I only learned that term the other day. I'm going to use it everywhere what's, now. What's ravioli code? It's the opposite to spaghetti code. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's like instead of your code weaving and winding all over the place. Yeah. It's in it's way in like, too many contained ah, right. little bits of yeah. ravioli. Yeah, okay. Brilliant. That is kind of brilliant. That was, uh, I better give credit. I heard it. I heard Andy Matuchak. Now I have to say his name. <laughs> I heard him say it and I'm like, yeah, that's brilliant. <laughs> nice. I like it. Yeah, I I found that um, for at least a couple of things, I've created new classes. I don't necessarily think that it's to a point where it's problematic I mean, if you think about, I mean, here we go again, the object-oriented way of dealing with things, right? Each object should be something that is kind of almost self-contained. Yeah. And so, I mean, that's kind of the approach that I take when creating classes uh, or structs. That's kind of the approach that I take, right? Where I try and um, make sure that I try and have a class for various things, um, one of the things that I worked on recently was search and mm-hmm. search went from having, I think three classes that represented basically a bit of a full encompassing UI view controller or collection view controller that dealt with a data store and had items, but the data, the, the UI view controller also had things in it for things like, I don't know, this might be a little bit kind of. You have to know GIF wrapped in order to be able to see it, but like this, there's like the saved searches screen, which had things like saved searches and categories and uh, like wow, a history, yeah. and you know there's a surprise me thing, and so all of that kind of got encapsulated in either the the model kind of controller or the view controller, and that was problematic, and kind of meant that it meant that if I wanted to you know add anything new, so let's say that for instance I wanted to be able to add new search providers. That's something that people ask for all the time. I, you know, it's all kind of melded in and yeah. hard to hard to update. So that kind of wasn't great. So separate that out into like separate out a thing for like a provider 
where that actually handles the API calls and nice. deals with a provider and separating out like all the saved search stuff into their own classes. And so now I've got like, I mean, there's probably four or five. No, there's more than that. There's probably like seven or eight new classes. And I think it sounds but, fine. Uh, yeah. This reminds me that the talk where I got this spaghetti ravioli code from was by Andy. He gave it at Realm and it's refactoring a massive view controller. There you go. So, and he makes a lot of new files. So they're not all classes. Yeah. And he's put it on GitHub. So like you can watch the talk and he shows you that app and the massive view controller. Uh, And then he's got on GitHub, each commit is one bit of refactoring. So, you know, you can roll back to the very start and see how it is. Uh Or you can look at the latest and that's like nicely refactored. So you can step through it one at a time. It's a really cool idea. That is cool. We'll put the link in the show notes. Mm, Good talk as well. should watch it. Indeed. When you're refactoring, Mm -hmm. do you use any like best practices or tools? Do you use any tools to help you? Yeah, of course. So I've already mentioned unit testing. Yep. So you've got unit testing and UI testing. Use both of those depending on what I'm refactoring. Mm -hmm. And then I use Xcode because Xcode is so good at refactoring Swift. Like (laughs) you can basically just (laughs) click a button and say, make this good. And Xcode being as good as it is. Yeah. It just does it. Wow. Yeah, I know. That's impressive. That's not true. (laughs) (laughs) I wish it was. So on Android Studio, I use the tools heavily because they are awesome. And I'm, I know, I haven't actually tried it, but app code is the same thing. Yep. Like the refactoring tools in there are just so good that once you get used to them, it's really hard to go without them. Yeah. Um, but in Xcode, not really. I don't use anything particularly because, it's, I mean, it should work, but it doesn't. And I don't do pretty much any Objective-C anymore. Yeah, it's all, because it doesn't work on Swift. Yeah. Because it does have refactoring tools. Oh, it does. They just, when you try and do it on Swift, it says, oh, I can't do Swift. It's too fancy for me. Too too new. Too new. Too new. But don't worry. We have a 3D level editor for gaming, yeah. for creating Xcode games. Xcode is the new iTunes. I feel so bad for the Xcode team. Like, yeah. It's not their fault. They've been asked to put so much into this app that, of course, they're behind. There's only so many of them. And now, you know, you've got to support Apple TV and WatchKit. And yeah, this is a whole nother debate. But I feel sorry for them. But... It's also broken, so... Well, yeah. I mean, you would think that they'd you know, spend some time refactoring their tools <laughs> so, that they'd, uh, so they'd be able to refactor. They can't, man. It's That's broken. Very... <laughs> <laughs> all, those, all the refactoring tools are actually built in Swift, so they can't refactor them to work, yeah. on, work on Swift. It's like a chicken and an egg. <laughs> that's, uh, that's awkward. Because there is, a, there is a bunch of tools, and I don't really use them, honestly. There's rename, extract, create superclass, move up, move down, encapsulate. I kind of know what they mean, but I don't actually, I've never actually used it. I use the rename one all the time. Yeah, rename file's good because it renames the class. Yeah. You, especially if you're in Objective-C, you got your header, your file name, and your class, your declaration. And your references to that class. Oh, of course, yeah. yeah. So it renames all of them. Except, except I've discovered when you use dot syntax for method calls. Really? Yeah. AppCode would get that for sure. Mm, probably. <laughs> I, I've noticed that recently because I have a tendency to when I use like, for instance, a uh, a method call for like shared instance or, you know, a, a, a singleton kind of mm-hmm. uh, method, which is a method in Objective-C. Uh, yeah. If I use dot syntax for that, which works as code, like it's perfectly fine. But if you try to refactor that, it will miss them. And so typically what I have to do is I have to do a refactor rename and then do like a find and replace for mm. any like stragglers. AppCoder will even find references to them in comments. Wow. Yeah, yeah it doesn't do that. That's impressive. Mm-hmm. Mm. 
Extract. I use Extract all the time in Android Studio. It's probably my most used, I guess, menu menu function. Mm. So I just use it heavily. So you can, basically what you do is you highlight a bit of code and you say extract. And then you can say if you want to put it in a method or a variable and it just works it out. Like, so say you highlighted a huge block and you say, I want to make this a method because I need, you're about to copy paste it. The most primitive of refactoring tools. Yep. <laughs> um, Heavily used by me. <laughs> and me in Xcode. Yeah. And you got no other choice. Um, so you highlight it, you go extract to method and it will analyze it and work out like things that you might want to pass in. Yep. And gives you little checkboxes to say, yes, pass in this and this, but this one, it just lives inside the method. So in in Xcode, it doesn't give you checkboxes. So I'm looking at it right now. It gives you a text field with the t- with the label extract to, and it like writes out the de- the method declaration. Yeah. Uh, and you can it has the like the method name cut like highlighted, so you can just type Edit to it. change it. Uh, and then you can change it. It has a toggle switch or two radio buttons: one for new method, one for new function. So if you want to write a you know, a C mm. function or whatever, which, yeah, yeah. Great if it works. I'm sure it does, but uh, not on Swift. But I don't write. I haven't really written any Swift Fair enough. lately. So it's probably smart. <laughs> I feel like I'm just constantly battling the tools. Ah, yeah. Uh, Swift is still young. It is. Like I don't think I don't, if you if you're still using Objective C, and this might just be me trying to make myself feel better. But if you're still using Objective C, I don't think you're like in any danger of like being. No, nah, no way. You know, being. Uh, I don't think the day where, uttered. even if it ever happens where you have to write Swift, I don't think that day is coming for 10 years. Okay. Yeah. 10 years. Yeah. Put it in your calendars. Uh, okay. I'll add, a, I'll add a thing right now. 10, 10 years. Done. And you know, Swift might disappear. They might well, decide like, yeah, it's no good. Well, I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> I, I think, not. I think they've, uh, I think they've put a lot into it. I don't think Swift is going anywhere. Okay. Let's hope so. I don't think you, I don't think you have to worry about that. But I also don't think Objective C is going anywhere anytime soon. Although maybe maybe ten years, I don't know. What other methods do I use? I use generate quite a bit. I don't so know what if it technically counts as refactoring. Because I think the rest of the ones that are in Xcode, create superclass, move up, move down, encapsulate are all about like putting them in various levels of classes. So you like create superclass obviously creates a superclass that you mm-hmm. so if you uh, I don't know, if you've got something that you want to move out into like a thing that gets um, used across multiple different view controllers or whatever, um, you might create a superclass. Yeah. I've, that They have that one in Android Studio as well. I don't think I've ever used it. I don't think I use it. And I think move up and move down is all about moving to a superclass and back yes. to the... Yeah. Um, so generate would generate bits of code for you, basically. So the one most used uh, is okay. getters and setters. Right. In Java. Um, I mean, you got to do that in Objective-C too sometimes, so I bet AppCode has some form of property generation if you want a custom one or something. Mm. So one of the things one of the things that I use with Xcode is the the auto-completion because that, that yeah. is actually, like when you're writing out method names, if you just start with the, the dash or the plus, the minus or the plus, whatever the two, are, two things are, mm-hmm. to signify whether it's static or whatnot, uh, you can, you'll get like a, you know, the completion of whatever the method yeah. is. Yeah, I'll uh, often use table view. I just type the word table view. Yeah, and then it'll give you a list of all the ones that start that way. I use that pretty heavily. Yeah, same. And it's good because it's 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 fairly good because you end up with 
Uh, if you're conforming to a protocol and you specify the protocol, it will you know, bring in the protocol once um, so that you can deal with it. I just remembered another generate. Oh, really? Yes, you can use it to give you all the methods that you need to, to implement this protocol. To conform to a protocol, nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. It's really good. I use that all the time because, you know, it's it's erroring saying it does not conform. And you just hit Alt-Enter. It says generate. One of the things that I've been doing in this refactory is using protocols for the base stuff of, of objects. Yeah, like the whole protocol-oriented programming? Kind of. So, you know how... You know, and it's obviously you know what NS object is, right? Mm-hmm. NS object is both a class and a protocol. Mm-hmm. The object is just an implementation of the protocol, is mm-hmm. how it works. And so that's what I've kind of been, how I've been approaching it. I'm trying to remember the reason why. I had a really good reason why. Why? Part of the reason is because then I can define other protocols on that on that protocol. Because with a protocol, you can specify that it needs to conform to another protocol in order to be able to mm-hmm. uh, to be able to conform to this one. So, as an example, I can define a protocol and say you also have to conform to NS object. So that might be my item class, so my base model class for you know each GIF, which is called GW item. Cool, catchy name. It's a protocol that says you have to conform to NS object to be able to use it. Then I have a class, like an implementation of that. So it's an actual class called also GW item that conforms to the GW item protocol. But then I can also have other protocols for my subclasses to conform to so I can use various different bits of functionality. As an example, some of the sections of GIF wrapped allow you to add new items and others don't. You can't add an item to search. That would be weird. Yep. Uh, but you can add to your library and you can add to your photos so what i do with that is i have a protocol called uh gw item mutable item controller or something like that which is actually not on the item it's on the controller but it's following the same you know the same thing i have a protocol and a method uh protocol and implementation and then i can say okay i've got this mutable version uh that's a protocol you have to conform to these methods in order order to use it but in order to be able to conform to this you also have to be able to conform to the gw item controller protocol mm-hmm. which means that only items that act as controllers can be mutable controllers yeah it's almost like abstract classes but they're not supported so yeah well it is kind of i mean ideally like i wouldn't ideally i could just say you have to be a in like a subclass of uh gw item controller or whatever mm. the, the super class has to be but it doesn't seem to allow that for protocols and in order to be able to kind of I, part of my process with this is trying to make it is trying to work smarter, not harder. Yeah, and so I'm trying to do it in such a way that you know Xcode will tell me if I'm doing something wrong. Yeah, I like and that. using protocols for everything. Using protocols for you know adding functionality and detecting functionality means that I can implement. Uh, you know, I, this is the easiest way to implement that, hmm. and also have it so that it picks up on whether or not it's you know incorrect, which is kind of cool. That is cool. That is cool. So. When is refactoring finished, do you think? Just before you get to ravioli. <laughs> it's so a is that like term. Is that like before dinner time? Yes. Mm. Yes. So ra- that you means it's have finished every day. Raviolo, not ravioli. That Ravio- makes no sense. <laughs> well, that's like the single of ravioli is a plural, right? I'm sorry for all the Italians out there <laughs> and butchering your language. Wow. <laughs> Yeah. Um, 
No, well, obviously you can go too far. You can abstract something so far that it's just ridiculous and like you will never need that level of abstraction. And it is hard to tell when you're done sometimes. So I think you should start out by deciding what needs to be refactored, right? And then writing a test that fails or multiple tests that fail because of the way it currently is. Yep. And then when they pass... Hopefully that means you're done unless you did something dodgy to make them pass. But, you know, so you got to still do it right. Yeah. I don't think there is an easy way to tell, though. I don't think there's any one way to tell. Yeah. At the beginning, I suggest I said that what I do is I, I like what I did, especially with this particular, you know, version is I wrote some like I wrote some classes that kind of defined it, defined stuff in the way that I wanted it to be. And then I went back and started kind of moving towards that. Um at a slower pace. And I think the good thing about that was it gave me something to kind of aim towards. Mm. I could, you know, turn my, turn my X code in that direction and just kind of start kind of heading that, that way. And it means that when I get to that stage, I kind of can go, yeah, it's, it's done. Yeah. I mean, it's not fine. It's not like super final. It doesn't feel super final. Cause I mean, I, long, I could probably go back and improve even more by doing another yeah. pass, but... I guess it depends on what you're refactoring as well. So say you're just refactoring your app because you feel like it's become a bit shaky, its foundations are a bit off. Yeah. Who knows when that ends? Like, you can you can go for forever trying to, like, get this perfect artwork. Mm. But say you're refactoring, you know, you've decided you want your API layer to instead of use completion handlers, use promise kit. Right. You're done when all your methods use promise kit yeah. instead of So you know, it depends. Yeah. And yeah. I think but I think the important thing there is defining like is defining where you're going. Yes. Um have a goal. If you have a goal, it's easier to figure out when you've reached that goal. If you're open end if you've just got an open ended of like, okay, I'm gonna like redo this code. It's gonna be amazing when I'm done then you're never going to be done because no. when you get to the end of it, it's going to be just as, not just as bad, but you know, it's going to, it's still going to be bad. Yeah. Cause iOS 10 will be out and you'll have to yeah. do it again for that. There's, there's always that. <laughs> I think, yeah. But I think if you have, if you have a defined place of where you're going, my dad used to always say to me, Daniel, cause he, he actually does call me Daniel. Daniel, be good. if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. <laughs> Classic dad advice. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like it is absolutely true, right? Especially in this true. like in this case. If you don't if you're not planning for where like if you're not planning for like have what your outcome is going to be, then you're never gonna like you don't have anything, you don't have any goal, you don't have any kind of way of telling when you're done. And I I mean that's kind of important. Definitely. Mm. So speaking of knowing when to kind of, you know, when things are finished. I think the way that we'll figure out that this episode is finished is because I will mention the show notes, which are at mobilecouch.co forward slash 67. Wow. It's mm. a lot of episodes. Not a hundred, but, you know, we're slowly mm. getting there. We're iterating over until we get well, to We should point. probably refactor them soon. Maybe, yeah. like, combine a few episodes together. Yeah, and split some out into their own yeah. separate episodes. Yeah, That's, that sounds like a good plan. If you'd like to email us and kind of... Tell us how we should do that. You can get in touch with us at hello at mobilecouch.co or if you prefer, you can jump on the web, mobilecouch.co forward slash contact. 
You can also contact us individually. Ben is on Twitter as Ben Trengrove. And in real life, he's actually Ben Trengrove. Fun fact. Um, it's B-E-N-T-R-E-N-G-R-O-V-E. And I am Jelly Bean Soup. Not in real life, but, you know, on the, on the line. On the line. On the line. On the line. On the lines. Thank you, everybody, for listening. It's been another amazing episode, albeit short. And, uh, but, you know, but... But good, you know this this small amount of time that we get to spend I with you. I prefer to call it concentrated. <laughs> nice. I have refactored that sentence. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you to our, our patrons for supporting the show, who are amazing. As previously mentioned, we look forward to talking to you again in two more weeks' time. Until then, goodbye. Bye. <laughs>